Hello, it's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. I continue to support the creative community through this crisis with all sessions now on video and phone calls. For details, please check threadup.co.uk. You can also find details of free check-ins I offer on my Twitter at threadup underscore and on Instagram and Facebook at threadup. Please share this. Somebody out there might need it. Stay safe and let's get through it together. Psychomedy Daily Dose, the spin-off series of short episodes of Psychomedy during this time of near total shutdown of the live comedy circuit due to coronavirus. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, and every day now I'm going to be talking with a different comedian about the current situation, along with passing on some hopefully really helpful and positive strategies, coping mechanisms from the counselling professionals we partner with at threadup.co.uk. I'm hoping that by sharing experiences and some positivity with comedians, we can all get through this together in the best possible way. Joining me on Psychomedy Daily Dose today, it's Ishan Akbar. Ishan, how are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm okay. I'm okay. As we were saying just before the call started, it's up and down, isn't it? It's up and down. It is a bit up and down, but I think my frustration is that I feel like we're having to do all this because of some very bad decision-making at the top upper echelons of this country i.e oh. the government straight in there straight in there that's great get, here's get the thing with me nathan there. i have an opinion about absolutely everything <laughs> they're not well, valid I <laughs> well i want to hear your opinion because you know what i probably agree with you but like any good interviewer particularly on the bbc who clearly probably will agree with you as well i'm going to play devil's advocate as you uh, as you uh, which is the most annoying thing in the world my 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 stepdad constantly plays devil's advocates. And I'm like, why? Yeah. Why are you doing that? Why are you yeah. just creating an argument when we're all agreeing? Well, I'm just playing devil's advocate. It's more interesting. But uh, yes, what are, the, um, what are the worst decisions at the top? I think my frustration is this. Um, <clears throat> the caveat to all this, I will say, is that yes, none of us in our lifetimes have experienced a pandemic of this proportion before. Mm. Yeah, fine. But here's the things that are annoying me. They're calling it unprecedented when, in fact, other countries had this immediately before us. So in that sense, it was precedented. (laughs) They all followed the same pattern in terms of rate of infection. Mm. So we knew what needed to be done. Warning signs were given to the government as early as January. But in fact, our pandemic plan, the British government's pandemic plan in 2009, is the very same pandemic plan that was put into place by the Singaporean government, for example, one of the better countries in terms of their response. Mm. And previous governments repeatedly ignored calls for funding, calls for buying the very simplest of gowns Mm. and masks to protect our workers. And other countries have put their healthcare workers, their safety of their healthcare workers over and above everything else, because that's where it starts. And we haven't done the same thing. It goes, it goes, to such deep proportions that a company in Bolton, which specialize in the kind of fabrics that are needed to make the best gowns to um, fend off this particular virus, that company contacted the government in the middle of February and said, do you need us to make these gowns? Did not get responses. And now that company is sending all their material to Donald Trump in America. 
Yes, well, there you go. It's going to be hard for me to play devil's advocate. With the, <laughs> <laughs> and the, C, the, C, the CEO of the company himself, you know, he said when he makes deliveries, he has to drive past the hospital in his local hospital in Bolton, knowing full well that they have a shortage of gowns and he's sending this off to America. And at 26,000 deaths, and I don't, you know, I realise that we started off in a depressed part of the podcast, but... No, it's fine. At 26,000 deaths in a country which at one point potentially considered herd immunity as a potential way of dealing with this, mm. when no other country following the science, even for an iota thought that it might be a good idea, mm. it just, it, I am so saddened and so angry at the state of this country's approach to this. But there we are. Mm. I'm done. <laughs> No, God. That's, Otherwise, uh... mate, I'm having a lovely time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God, it's difficult to argue against. And of course, I don't want to argue against it. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. Um, is, there a, is there a bright side to how it's being dealt with? Any bright side? I mean, any positive? Is it all negative at how they're, how they're dealing with it, I wonder? Um, I, cut, I cut some people a little bit of slack uh, as to how difficult this must be to deal with and of course that's no excuse but it is this is not simple to deal with is it it's incredibly difficult incredibly complex um, so many moving parts so many different people and departments dealing with it mistakes will be made and huge mistakes but of course successes will also be made is that fair it is fair i think the difficulty has been exacerbated by the fact that previous governments ignored warning signs i mm -hmm. You know, this current administration, they are having to play catch up with the inaction of the previous government. Sure. That much is true. Uh, the positives have been that seemingly we are able to build facilities that we need quite quickly. And by facilities, I'm talking about major hospitals. Yeah. Um, we were able to overcome whatever bureaucracy and red tape and that would have previously prevented us from building such things in such quick time mm. um and i hope that that is a sign of things to come yeah well there um, we are <laughs> yeah <laughs> there we are there we are <laughs> but the thing, do you, i think look my dad's a paramedic okay so my dad's a paramedic he's been a paramedic for 27 years all right and when you speak to people on the uh, i don't know the majority of people you speak to on the front line of the nhs they're a bit like, well, okay, it's good that you built the hospitals, but for the last 10 years, so in my local area, mm. they've closed four A&E departments. Yeah. They've closed hospitals left, right, and centre. I cannot think of another country where they would be willing to just close hospitals down, and they've done it, Yeah. and now they open them. And by the way, this isn't, I'm not party political at all. I'm just on the basis of government actions. Mm. It has been a decade of complete and utter incompetence and disregard for the health service and the people like you and me who might one day need them. Uh, and that's why we're where we are at the moment. Yeah. Yes, it is hard to argue with that. So I won't. Comedy, <laughs> comedy, <laughs> jokes and comedy. And I was driving the bus. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> <laughs> oh. My name is Jeremy Hunt. <laughs>
Comedy is hard. Comedy is hard at this time. You were doing a very interesting thing on YouTube about trying to write comedy at this time with different uh, comedians called At Doing Bits Live. It is on Twitter, isn't it? At Doing Bits Live. Yes. Um, yes. So comedians doing bits. How are they doing bits at this time? How are people being funny at this time? It's been very interesting. I think uh, a lot of the guests that we've had um, have said the same thing pretty much, which is that it feels like when, if and when we eventually come back, and Lord knows when that is, mm. we're not quite sure at which point referencing this period of our lives becomes hack. Yep. Because audience is going to come in and you can talk about whatever, but they'll be sitting there thinking, this is our first night out. You do know what happened for the last six months, nine months, whatever, a year. Yeah. So a lot of people have pressed pause because actually so many of our observations, all of us are pretty much going to have the same observations. We're in the house in large part, yeah. some with family, some without. Um, but finding differing perspectives because the best stand-up comes from living and, yeah. and it comes from relaying the things that you live but if everybody's living the same experience suddenly your perspective as a stand-up isn't going to be that significantly different to somebody in the audience you just have the power of the microphone so yeah i think people are um they're a bit nonplussed as to what they're going to do yeah yes i think certainly writing any a whole load of Corona stuff that you think is going to be used after this, uh, after we're all back on stage. I think uh, a lot of it will be wasted, but I think writing, writing stuff is good just to keep the, keep the motor running at this time. As long as you get it out now, rather than think I'm going to get this out in six months time. Cause yeah, as you say, it might be, it might be dead. I think the people that are going to save us are MCs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think MCs are going to have to go off the top and address the elephant in the room, which is the pandemic has happened. We're yeah. here now, which, yeah. and if they're if they're you know worth their weight, they will address it and give comics the opportunity to talk about non-pandemic stuff. Yeah, yeah, yes. So, what is what is your lockdown situation? Do you have company? I have kind of company. So, as, you know, I mentioned my my dad. Um, he is a paramedic, so he is working. I live, my dad and I live together. Yeah. Um, and is he, he, is he out working a lot then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's, yeah. he's taking overtime because people have fallen ill. And so he takes overtime to cover their shifts and everything. Mm. And the truth is, Nathan, at first, you know, I was very proud of him, you know, being like, wow, you, you're a hero. You know, I'm here on my laptop recording podcasts. I don't mean that disparagingly at all. I'm very happy to be doing this. Um, <laughs> But you're no offense. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not as worthy as the the paramedic. I'm almost, almost as worthy, but not quite. Uh, so then he 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 do he do his overtime shifts, and then at one point I started getting a bit offended, thinking, Dad, you know, there is a you're 60 years old, you're an ethnic minority, you, you're diabetic, and you're taking overtime. It feels a bit personal that you'd rather spend time in the pandemic than with me at home, oh. and then kind of transpired in my brain that perhaps my dad is cheating on me with a doctor son he's always wanted <laughs> <laughs> maybe 
at a time like this when he sees that I'm not contributing much to society, he's out there with the son he really wants. So my dad comes home and then I hug him and I smell another fragrance. I'm like, where were you? What the that? You see that sneaky. You start by saying it's hard to write material and there it is. The, ki- <laughs> the killer line from Akbar, straight in. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. But, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But yeah, no. I all, all jokes aside, yeah, I do have company, but it's it's difficult because he's always working, and when yeah. he he is, so he's on nights. He was on nights yesterday, uh, and tonight, and tomorrow. In fact, yesterday he told me that he went to a stabbing. Uh, sorry, a shooting. Right. Oh um, God! People um, are still shooting people now. I didn't. I didn't realize. <laughs> people they are were. still getting close enough to stab people. <laughs> it's just bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Surely, um, I mean. In the social distancing world, shooting is the thing you ought to be doing. Really. <laughs> you see, I was going to go there, but I thought, no, 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 we can't. We can't go there. There we go. <laughs> He's never off. Don't worry, Nathan. I'll take the bullets. <laughs> <laughs> God, scrap everything you were saying about we can't do comedy at this time. You've, you've never been more on fire. <laughs> I know, you've seen me at my gigs. <laughs> this is, Ooh, this is your this. time. It's a travesty. <laughs> But we can't get to see you now. I know. It's We've like had the years lost... of you doing Bollywood dancing. <laughs> Plus, like the... basically. And now, look at this. It'll be the lost Muhammad Ali years, won't it? Like, oh, he, he would have been great. <laughs> but yes, what a guy. What a guy your dad is. And uh, he should be cheating on you with other doctors, I think. Yeah, he should be. Honestly, I have enough anxiety about not being good enough for my dad anyway now he's fucking going out there saving lives and i'm just like oh for god's sake man <laughs> give me a chance mm, right how about this um you're a good muslim boy aren't you <laughs> you're a yes. good muslim boy how is Very. ramadan in lockdown ramadan in lockdown is uh well i i guess you're saying this because you know full well that i'm not particularly observant <laughs> well, I used to I used to live with a with a with a guy who was uh, yeah like you maybe not particularly observant, but it does it does affect you even though you're doing you know family and whatever you know I don't know well, I'm for you maybe it doesn't affect you at all. Well, in a sense, I'm lucky because because we aren't able to undertake the same social activities that we would have done had we not been in lockdown. Right. So, for those of your listeners who may not be familiar, often at Ramadan, what happens is at the time of breaking the fast you will do it in with your family so you'd go to people's houses sometimes you go to the mosque and do it with other people yeah so a significant part of particularly of ramadan in the west is that social aspect so because that's not happening i'm not um i'm feeling less i don't really feel guilt anyway but whatever pang of guilt i might have because other people are observing I, i have less of but one thing that has happened this year which has and it's, it's crept up, okay, which is that as terrorism increases, people's, you know, liberal people's knowledge of Islam increases too, right? So people who don't want everybody to criticize all Muslims because of the actions of a few terrorists stock up on their knowledge of what Islam actually is. I don't think there's anything worse than getting policed by liberal white people about my lack of faith. So people will be like like you've done how's how's fasting going and you're like oh fuck off <laughs> i don't want you to be asking me this <laughs> how do you know you know too much 
So that's the bit that's been irritating me in this Ramadan. <laughs> nice. Yeah, how's uh, fasting going, Isha? I had a call during, I had a call that yesterday and I was drinking a cup of tea. And this liberal white lady, of course it is, I was like, should you be doing that? And you're like, oh, fuck off, Karen. <laughs> That's why you didn't want to use video on this call, isn't it? You're, 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 you're snaffling snacks. How dare snack. you? Oh, leftover bacon rashes. Ooh, <laughs> nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Shouldn't you be waiting till the 23rd of May? I've done my research. <laughs> oh, you're, looking, you're looking quite big for a guy who's supposed to be fasting. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> all right. Well, um, is there any spirituality in you at all, Ishan? Is that this is a time where I think maybe some of us are getting more spiritual even if we weren't before. I believe, I believe there's something bigger than us out there. Um, and whether, given uh, the limits to our language, let's call that for all intents and purposes, a God. But I, I don't believe in a God that uh, is judgmental or a God that makes a distinction between right and wrong or places people in heaven or hell. Yeah. Um, or really is that concerned with the physical manifestations of our faith, whether we pray, whether we eat certain things or drink certain things. Um, it took a long, you know, I was very devout Muslim. And it took a long time for me to make that distinction between the soul and the body. Um, I can, you know, undertake the most pious actions, but if they are with ill will in my heart, then I don't know if that, <clears throat> if that balance is off, if you know what I mean. And maybe I just got to that point because I just really wanted to try bacon. Maybe that's what I've done. Is I've just <laughs> justified it in that kind of way. But yeah, I, at the, but also at the moment, you know, particularly in Ramadan, you see a lot of, um, I see, you know, I'm still connected with a lot of people who are of a, a Muslim faith and are very observant. And I see a lot of WhatsApp pictures and Instagram posts that fly around. And, you know, people do say mad things like, you know, like the reason we're in the situation is because God wanted to put a pause on life for all of us. So we reconnect with him. Right. Uh, and I kind of think to myself, well, at hundreds and thousands of deaths, do you really think that that's the price <laughs> that's worth paying? Um, yeah. I, yeah. I don't that that doesn't reconcile a God that is willing to kill, quote unquote, his own creations um to me feels a bit odd so I, I, this hasn't made me any more spiritual if anything it's made me angrier with that particular idea of a, of a, of a god to be honest yeah 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 i remember old old re lessons and me questioning everyone uh who taught me saying why do why do bad things happen and of course god tests us ishan he tests us all the time i'm like he sounds like a prick then doesn't he well, this is so interesting you raise this point because, um, as, you, as you know, my mum my sadly passed away a few years ago. Mm. And not long after she passed away, a lot of people would try and give me some sense of solace by saying that she was taken away because she was a good person. Okay. Uh, she was taken before her time. And one, you know, after kind of the umpteenth time of someone saying this to me, this mm. poor guy got 
a backlash from me because he said to me, oh, you know, your mom was taken away because she was a good person. And I said, well, okay, are you a good person? And he said, yes. And I said, well, why don't you kill yourself then? <laughs> he's like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, if you're a good person and God hasn't taken you, maybe he's, he's missed, he missed you on the list. So yeah, the right thing to do is for you to go and kill yourself. Yeah. And he's like, well, suicide is actually forbidden in Islam. I'm like, well, I don't think God can stop, stop me. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah. there we are. How about um, spirituality on a kind of non-religious level? People becoming better people out of this, saying more loving things. I've noticed that from my friends and also my family, just being more loving and being more caring at this time. I think um, if you could put it on a graph, God, this is such a stupid way of viewing life, isn't it? But um, <laughs> You've been watching too many um, daily briefings where they put everything on a graph. <laughs> it's like, um, <laughs> transport use has gone down. Look at this graph. We don't need a graph. <laughs> it's all about the graph. <laughs> we um, can see the buses. They're empty. <laughs> of course they're empty. We're locked down. But look at the graph. Look at look, It's gone down. I think... Um, <laughs> If time was on the uh, y-axis, is why the horizontal one? Um, you're a clever man, Ishan. You used to be in banking, didn't you? You should know this. Yeah, I did. I why did. is the vertical one? Why is the vertical one? Right, x. So if time runs along the x-axis, yeah. and y, uh, the y-axis is niceness, yep. during, the, during the pandemic... The graph will along the uh, along the uh, x-axis will go have an upward trajectory, but as we come out of this <laughs> It'll be and life returns to normal, <laughs> it will take a two thousand eight financial market <laughs> crash where people are like, right, we're we're done being nice to everyone now. <laughs> it's not in the British psyche to be this nice for this long. Come on, <laughs> yeah. we can't we can't maintain this. <laughs> yes, all right, okay, yeah. Mm. I'll play devil's advocate on that one. I, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic for human nature. I'm optimistic, but maybe I'm stupid. Yeah, mentioning, uh, mentioning your previous job in uh, wealth management, how are, you, how are you managing your wealth? Give me, some, give me some advice for a comedian earning nothing at this time. What should he do? Oh, God, just, just stay at home and eat spam. <laughs> like, Thanks, it's... that's that one done. <laughs> done. I mean, there's nothing. <laughs> Look, I think um, there is... It's, uh... It's going to be a difficult time for us for a very long time. And I think stand-up comedy and getting back to live gigs, if you can find ways of um, sharing your freelance skills, because there are some businesses that are thriving at the moment and need your support, uh, yep. home delivery, food business, whatever, get yourself out there and use your freelance skills to, to get some work out there. But it will be, it'll be hard for a very long time. Yeah. And can I ask quickly about um, Pakistan and Bangladesh? Do you still have family, friends? over over there because i've talked to um i've talked to yeah i've got the kind of indian perspective from anavab but i haven't really um haven't really read anything about pakistan and uh, bangladesh so both those countries have dealt with things really well actually mm. um i've got some family in uh bangladesh, uh bangladesh not very many people left in pakistan but i think the, the benefit bangladesh and pakistan have is although they're incredibly populous countries the police are allowed to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, same, same so, in India. Same in India. Yeah, so if they say to you, you're staying home and they catch you, they will hit you. Mm. Um, and that seems to work. Um, but also, because they are slightly closer allies with China, particularly in the case of Pakistan, yeah. um, 
the intelligence around, say, transferring plasma from ill patients, uh, from well patients to unwell patients, or things like that. They've they've been a bit more forthcoming in trying ways in which to fix this. So it's been interesting to see how they've reacted to it. Mm. Uh, it seems to be a lot more hands-on. Also, they're willing to try different things. Yeah, there might be some loss of life. That's better than not trying, if you know what I mean. Yeah. That seems to be their philosophy. Do you think this government hasn't tried in the same way, then? No, no, not at all. They're yeah. just like, oh, let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. Mm. They, the, the call for us to go into lockdown came far too late. Um, yeah. Well, Boris Johnson had to go around hospitals shaking hands first. So, uh... yeah, just to. But it's that it's that private school spirit. You know, I was I I was privately educated too, and it's that same thing where you kind of get on with things. You know, you just yeah. you you're, you're dispassionate about it. I remember saying to my boarding house master, aged thirteen, fourteen, um, Mr. Smith, I I haven't got any friends. I'm really struggling to make friends. What do I do? And Mr. Smith very gruffly said, "Well, Akbar, you're not here to make friends. You're here to create opportunities." I was like, <laughs> Okay, fair. And it's that kind of get in, it gets instilled. So I wasn't surprised that Boris did that. But then also, if you were working with Boris in an office, you would hate that guy, wouldn't you? You'd be like, <laughs> he's got the biggest project in the office. He fucked it up. Then he was off ill for two weeks. He comes back and then his wife's just given birth. Fuck off, mate. It's just a piss take. Let me play devil's advocate about Boris. I do think one of the things he does is good for the nation. And that's his maybe stupid positivity and his um, tub thumping. I think it's actually quite good for the nation's mental health. When you put him alongside Chris Whitty, who's probably speaking the, more, more the truth than Boris, in terms of mental health, when there's Chris Whitty saying... This is going to go on for a long, long time. That's the truth. We all know that deep in our hearts. And then mm. when Boris comes out and goes, it's over. You know, we're past the peak. Here we go, guys. Lay over the top. And I suddenly feel a bit better. And I think actually in seriousness, that's probably the balance there is good for the nation's mental health. If we all, if I was told at the start of this, you won't be back at work, Nathan, until definitely December, which is, you know, maybe looking like the case. I'd be like, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd have, I'd, I'd have been depressed right from the start. And it's, uh, it's only suddenly dawning on me now. But surely when the truth comes to pass, the impact on your mental health is even worse, isn't it? Because you have that positive burst. Yeah. Then you're like, oh, actually, yeah, it's quite shit. So what you would have felt is even worse than had you been told beforehand. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm really it's like not, when, yeah. when, if you've cheated on your partner, do you tell them at the time it happened or <laughs> wait six months as they fall deeper in love with you? Yeah, yeah. You see no, what I mean? You play devil's advocate very well there. <laughs> Why, thank you very much. <laughs> I see your advocate and I raise you a slightly better privately educated advocate. <laughs> oh, what there we go. I did my best. I did my best for Boris there. <laughs> I sometimes come, you know, I end a call with Boris and it's just like, I feel, I feel a little bit better. And yeah, yeah. And then, then it dawns on me he was lying. A bit later, but I've had that rush. I've had it. Yeah, just just tell me okay. I'm pretty. Tell me I'm pretty. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. That's what I want from Boris. It's worked with so many women for him, hasn't it? It's just like it's beautiful. <laughs> I have to say, in in that regard, as as someone of the um the plump persuasion myself, mm. Boris is an inspiration. <laughs> Boy, 
That guy gets it away, doesn't he? Good work. Uh, maybe it's a power thing. I don't know. Maybe it's not working for me because I'm not prime minister. I don't know. <laughs> one day, Michelle, one day. One day. Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. You have, uh, you've made me think and you've cheered me up, which is what you oh, always do. Thank you. That's very kind. I've enjoyed getting to chat to you this afternoon. Um, and where can we get all your content during this time? I see you're doing, I mean, we haven't talked about a lot of the stuff you're doing. You're a busy boy. You're doing, you're doing a lot. Tell, tell the nation about what you're doing just quickly. I, I have been busy. I, um, I, was, I was the host of Newsjack on Radio 4, which, which came to an end after its series. So that was mm. fun. I have a weekly radio show on the BBC Asian Network from 11 till 3. Mm. I've um, listened to a bit of that. There's some banging tunes on that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. on Saturdays. It's good fun. I do it with another comedian, Sunil Patel, oh. and a comic actress called Nima Dedra. So have a listen to that. Um, I do a podcast for Fiverr, which is an online freelance recruitment agency globally, oh. um, called 929, which, where each episode is nine minutes and 29 seconds long. And I interview someone from the world of arts, culture, business about one important lesson they want to impart on the world. And the guests have been amazing. So Rankin, the photographer, uh, Wycliffe Jean's agent, Madeline Nelson. So it's been great to speak to these people. Great. Um, and I'm kind of doing my own stuff. So you mentioned doing bits live at the top. I do that on Tuesdays and Thursdays with another comedian, Vittorio Angeloni. Um, and I'm learning video editing because I'm going to try and put more sketches and stuff out there. So I've, um, I've kept myself busy. Amazing. That's good to hear, man. All your stuff is brilliant. Please check Thank it out. Thank you. Yeah, check me out. I'm, I'm, I'm on all, all socials under the, word, under the name Michael Packintyre. <laughs> so, he really yeah. is. He really is. <laughs> There's a guy that will get some comedy out of this, Michael McIntyre. He, he'll be, you know, all the, all, all the rules don't count for Michael. He'll just be, he can talk about Corona in 10 years' time. It'll still seem fresh. Yeah, that's true. It's, yeah. Yeah, him, him, and, him and Sean Walsh, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Just... Remember Corona? Remember Corona? Oh, yes. Talk to us more about Corona. It was 10 years ago, but we're still lapping it up, Michael. Yes, yes. Oh, social distancing. Yes, yes. Social. Yes. yes. Yeah. It's funny in that voice. You do voice. that, don't you? You socially distance, don't you? <laughs> it is funny in that voice. Why didn't I see this when I was gigging in pubs with him? I was like, I just copy him. It's going to be huge. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I, will, I will stay six metres apart. Yes, yes. Two metres, yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. Constantly skipping around the stage, trying to social distance from himself. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. There we go. It, it's coming back into action, my comedy pow, brain. Pow, pow. Good. It's good. <laughs> right. Thank you, Ishan, so much. Lots of love Thanks, to you. Nathan. Keep well. Thanks for joining you me too. today. No worries. The wonderful Ishan Akbar there. Please check out all his stuff online. He's so brilliant, so thoughtful, so, uh, so funny, so, so thought-provoking. He's fantastic. So that's our show for today. Just quickly mention something I mentioned in yesterday's episode. We have stuck up a, a booklet from thewellnesssociety.org, which I think is fantastic, dealing with stress and anxiety. A lot of us, of course, are having anxiety and it's to have techniques to deal with that. So they talk about a couple of techniques in this booklet. Um, so one of them is the think technique is an acronym think i love an acronym 
from my old days working in an office. But this one's quite good, I think. The Think Technique, so T-H-I-N-K, true is it? Is the thought 100% true? If not, what are the facts? Um, is it helpful? Is paying attention to the thought useful to me or others? Is it inspiring? Does the thought inspire me or does it have the opposite effect? Is it necessary? Is it important for me to focus on the thought? And kind, is the thought kind? If not, what would be a kinder thought? My goodness, kindness, that's what I hope is going to come out of this more kindness. So again, thanks so much to Ishan. That is our show for today. Please join me again tomorrow for more Psychomedy Daily Dose. Please listen back on all the daily shows, all the main shows. Please give us a five-star review. Psychomedy is produced by Mike Hansen at Pop People Productions. Check out psychomedy.co.uk for that booklet and for more mental health tips from our counselling partners, threadup.co.uk. Check in with them for your free check-ins that they're offering at the moment at threadup underscore on Twitter. So I'm Nathan Cassidy. Lots of love to you all. Stay healthy, stay optimistic. Tune back in for more Psychomedy Daily Dose tomorrow.